0: Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And today I'm talking to Brian Reynolds, who is a world record holding double amputee runner. And yes, Brian has broken the world record time for marathon and half marathon for double amputees in the past two years But there's more to his story than that. This is a story of resilience and fortitude and persistence and optimism that started at age four. And Brian tells this story in our new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good. And today he's going to share that story plus more, including some of his tips for getting motivated to get out there and pursue your own physical fitness routine. So Brian, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast.
1: Hey, Amy, it's great to be here.
0: Well, I'm really happy you gave us a story for our book. We felt very honored to get it. I guess, first of all, let's talk about how you came to this place of being a double amputee. Can you tell us what happened when you were four and what brought you to this place where you started running seriously a few years ago?
1: So when I was four, I contracted a rare form of meningitis called meningococcemia. It's the bacterial version that's in your blood. And part of the treatment for it was to put me on medication that restricts blood flow to the extremities. And the result of that was a bilateral amputation of both my legs. As a survivor, I can say that I'm one of the lucky ones that normally affects all four limbs and leaves terrible scarring throughout the body. But for me, I was pretty lucky that only my legs were affected by it. And seeing as a, it happened at such a young age, I've been able to adapt really well to prosthetics.
0: So you have prosthetics for walking around during the day, and then you have a different set of prosthetics for competitive running, right?
1: I do. So my everyday walking prosthetics have a normal foot that can fit just a regular shoe. And then my running prosthetics, after the end of my leg, after the socket, they have a C-shaped running blade attached to them, which is much lighter. And it gives me a little bit of spring, which helps to replace the missing calf muscles and ankles.
0: Do all double amputees run with those C-shaped blades or do a lot of people run with their normal prosthetics?
1: Unfortunately, insurance does not cover athletic legs for amputees. They only cover what's necessary for daily moving. So I would say that they are becoming more common because there's many charities and grants available now but i think that there's still a big discrepancy in what is available to the amputee population as a whole
0: so did you always run with blades or is that something that happened just in the last few years
1: i did not start running with blades the first year that i ran i ran in just my everyday walking legs which are a lot heavier, clunkier, and just not meant for that type of activity. So in my first year of running, I had lots and lots of chasing, blistering, lots of blood spilling out of my legs because of the activity that I was doing that they weren't meant for. I got blades for the first time at the end of 2013. And I can honestly say that the first time I was able to go running in blades, it felt like I was flying.
0: Oh, that's so great. So Brian, tell us about the 2018 Chicago Marathon, because you wrote quite a suspense-filled story about it for Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good.
1: Leading into the Chicago Marathon, I had a quad injury that had been pretty persistent since about July of 2018 in the Chicago marathons in October. So it was quite a long time for an injury. So most of my training wasn't running based; It was on my Elliptigo. And despite not running, I was pretty confident that my fitness was very high because I had been putting in at least three hours a day, seven days a week on this um, Elliptigo bike. And leading up to it, I was pretty confident that I was going to be able to do well, despite not running. And the day of the race arrived in October and it was a cool day with a light rain. So I knew it was very good weather for me to run well. And through almost the entire race, I was running on a very, very big personal record race and what would have been an extremely large world record pace as well. It wasn't until uh, mile 22 that everything kind of came crashing down, and most people think that that would be the infamous wall in the marathon that would cause that, where your body's just depleted and you're exhausted. But for me, it was actually the fact that I tripped in a pothole when I was making a turn and got a concussion.
0: People think running with a blade somehow gives you some kind of advantage, but it doesn't. And in fact, your blade got stuck in a pothole, and I don't think a foot would have gotten stuck.
1: No, I don't think it would have as well because it got stuck on the lip of a pothole. And because I don't have that ankle rotation, the blade really got stuck. Whereas I think if somebody with a normal foot stepped in the pothole, just your flexion of the ankle, you wouldn't have really tripped at all.
0: So in your story, you describe how you really got banged up when you fell and you were really badly hurt. And then you had to put your blade back on and somehow power through another four miles. And it was agonizing for you, right?
1: Yeah, it was terrible. When I fell, I hit my head pretty hard and got, well, the doctors told me after I had a concussion, I didn't know it in that moment. I just knew that I was having trouble seeing. I was extremely dizzy and nauseous and my hands started going numb. That final four miles was maybe the worst running I've ever had to do in my life.
0: But somehow you set a double amputee world record. Anyway, you came in at three hours, three minutes and 22 seconds.
1: Yes, I did. It was a small improvement on my previous marathon times, but completely unexpected given the circumstances of the marathon and tripping. And I was lucky that I had a few people running with me. Chicago Marathon helps out adaptive athletes like me by letting us have pacers in the race. So I was very lucky that I had a few great pacers with me that day that helped me power through even though I was probably about as low as you can go in running.
0: So, Brian, I understand you also set a world record for the half marathon in March of this year.
1: I did recently set a half marathon record for amputees at the New York City half marathon in March.
0: Well, that is great. Congratulations. After the break, we're going to come back and talk about what else you do in your life and also how you get yourself out there to practice running every single day because I think your persistence and your motivation will really help those of us who are just trying to get out every day to go on, say, a three-mile run or a three-mile walk even. We're back with Brian Reynolds. So Brian, what fascinates me is how you get out there. You told me you practice seven days a week. How do you get yourself to do that? Because, I mean, I just try to walk three miles several days a week and I have to force myself just to do that. So can you give us some tips to get ourselves out there and tell us whatever head game you're playing that works so well for you?
1: Well, I'm not going to lie. Definitely some days are more of a challenge than others, especially with all the other pieces in life that take up time as well from kids to work and schooling as well. So most days I get out of bed somewhere between 4 and 4.30 and I am out the door training by 5. My wife's a nurse practitioner so I have to be back early before she leaves for her shift at work. And I have to be back for the kids getting them ready for school for the day. Most days, it's the drive to just see how good I can be, how much I can improve for myself.
0: That is really incredible. Now, what else is going on in your life? You have kids, you have a full-time job, you have schooling. How old are your kids?
1: So I have two kids. I have a son that just turned four, and my daughter is 20 months. So they
0: must be motivation. Does your little four-year-old son really admire what you do and keep you going?
1: Yeah, he's, he's quite the character. If I'm training at home, I have a full gym in my garage, then he's usually training right next to me. If I'm on the trainer for my bike, then he's on the treadmill walking next to me and he'll lay down and do all the core exercises with me as well as lift some weights occasionally. He's either always with me training or he's at my races cheering me on. So it's, it's my own personal motivation to keep going as well.
0: And then I understand you actually work In the industry, right? You're a manager of a running store?
1: I do. I work at the Sneaker Factory, which is a local running store in New Jersey that's been around for about 41 years now.
0: Oh, that's great. I love the fact that all you really need to become a runner is a good pair of sneakers. It's one of the lowest cost sports that there is. You just need a road, which is free and it's outside your home, and you need those sneakers.
1: Yes, it makes it really accessible to all people, although the sneakers seem to be getting more and more expensive every year.
0: Yeah, that's true. And they wear out so fast, don't they? How often do people need to replace them?
1: Really depends on the model of shoe that you're wearing. Most shoes now are somewhere between the three and 500 miles. But it depends on the shoe you're wearing and the exact wear pattern of the shoe on the bottom.
0: That makes sense. Now, I understand you also have been going to grad school. And did you just get some master's degrees?
1: Correct. I just recently finished a double master's in public health and business administration. So that kept me pretty busy for, I finished it in about two years, a double master's.
0: So where are you going to go? Are you going to go into the healthcare industry with that?
1: I'm not completely sure yet. I had been applying to physician assistant schools, but I got waitlisted everywhere. And given the fact that I have two kids and a family and a full training schedule, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep applying at the moment. Just going to see where the next few months take me because my wife is currently in school as well.
0: She's already a nurse practitioner. What is she going to be next?
1: She is getting her degree in Master of Acupuncturist.
0: Oh, I love acupuncture. That has really worked for me in the past.
1: Yeah, so I'm just giving her a chance to get her schooling done now before I make a leap into more schooling or a different job.
0: Well, you know, the two of you were really involved with helping people with their physical health, aren't you? You're helping them get fit by fitting them into the right shoes and gear and your wife is helping them with their health overall. So thank you for helping us today by motivating all of us. It's been really good. I can't imagine doing what you do, but it's very impressive.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So how can people learn more about you? Do you have a website or social media where they can follow you?
1: Yes, I'm most active on Instagram, My Instagram handle is Brian Reynolds Runner. I usually post multiple times a week about either training or family life. It's been a great way for me to interact with people.
0: And I understand that a few days before this podcast airs, you're going to be running a race in Seattle, right? Is that a marathon?
1: Um, That's a Seattle half marathon.
0: All right. And then you also told me that the Boston Marathon, they're starting an elite event for amputees and other people with different issues for running. Is that correct too?
1: Yeah. So I believe that the phrasing that they're using is the elite para category. So next year in 2020, it'll be the first year that they're offering this. It's going to be for amputees, both of legs and arms. And I believe that it also includes visually impaired. There may be some other categories in there, but I'm not exactly sure. So it'll be the first marathon in the U.S. that I know of that will include this division, which is actually how wheelchair racing became so popular a few decades ago. was Boston was the first race to include wheelchair racing as its own event. And a few decades later, it's become a staple in the World Majors Marathons. So hopefully this is the first step towards adaptive athletes of every type of disability having a major place in athletic competition.
0: Well, that is great. So Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you for writing your story for Chicken Soup for the Soul, Running for Good.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm Amy Newmark. Thanks for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. Over the next few months, I'll be sharing lots of stories from this new running book. And you can listen to these episodes while you're out there running or walking And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that all of these new episodes will automatically appear in your phone. We'll be sharing stories from the book in our free daily emails as well. So if you want to have a free story delivered to your email inbox every day, go to chickensoup.com and click on the podcast button. And then you'll see on the pull-down menu a button to sign up for the newsletter, and you'll actually find a bunch of choices. You'll find the Daily Story newsletter, and you'll also find some weekly newsletters if you just want to get a story once a week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.